Welcome to the Two Bananas podcast. I'm Lucy. And I'm Zoe. And we're here to talk about being two British Chinese girls living in the UK and all the shits and gigs that comes with it. From discussing growing up to adulthood and all the things in between, join us as two friends chatting about our lives. Hi guys, welcome to episode one. Um, So this episode we wanted to focus on our upbringing and our family background to discuss where we came from and how we came to be who we are today. So, do you want to start, Zoe? Yeah. My, I'm actually a BBC, so British-born Chinese. So I was actually born in Oxford. Um, my family is second or third generation, so my grandparents actually came over, and my parents were actually born in Hong Kong, but came over when they were, like, two or three. So, second or third, because obviously my parents weren't born here, but they basically, they grew up here. Like, they are actually very white in comparison. Um, so I think for those who don't know this whole generation thing, so first generation basically means that you were an immigrant, like you've been born elsewhere and you've immigrated to wherever it is, you know, Britain so or America. Fresh, fresh off the boat. Fresh off the boat <laughs> is the other term that people use. Um, so uh, technically, I'm basically like what, Zoe's parents were so I am second generation slash first I suppose I was born in China I was um brought here with my parents my parents um moved here when they were probably like in their 30s I was about four or five at the time and I was brought up here in Nottingham um we did a bit of moving around but predominantly I lived in Nottingham for like the best part of my younger years and yeah, so obviously my upbringing is quite different because my parents were, you know, raised and grew up and had a big chunk of their adult lives in China. Pretty much the vast majority of my family are still in China now. So I think that was quite different for me in sort of the differences between you and I. I'd yeah, say. definitely. Because I think like my mum, as I said, came over when she was two. I don't know if she really remembers obviously Mm. her childhood at all in Hong Kong probably not because she was so young my dad fluttered where he grew up in Hong Kong came to England and then I think in his teens did a few more years back in Hong Kong yeah but I mean most of my I mean most of my parents um but did your mum ever go back to Hong Kong um like for long periods of time only traveling really like I don't think she remembers it I mean I can ask her but I don't think so. Like, my grandparents are obviously like your parents and grew up there, remember Mm. Hong Kong and stuff. But actually, my parents um, didn't have as much memories. Dad had, obviously, about his teenager years. Mm. But most of the time, it was just British culture that we grew up with. So, actually, I was totally engulfed with, like, British culture, being born in Oxford and everything. Yeah. Um, We also wanted to state that, obviously, where we came from, just because my family are from Hong Kong, so... Actually, we speak Cantonese or as well as Hakka, which is what I speak more of. Um, And Hong Kong, for those who didn't know, was obviously um, taken over by the British rule. So actually, Hong Kong in itself has so much more English speaking people and like all this, all the road Mm. signs are in English and Chinese. It's like a lot more British. Yeah, so much more British, like in central Hong Kong, actually loads of people are very British and speak loads of English, whereas actually you're from China. Yeah, so I'm from mainland China. So I was born in Tianjin in the north of China. So for those who don't know, it is actually quite a large city, but where my family grew up 
and are from. It's quite, I suppose, rural. Not, it's not like a proper countryside place. She's a countryside bumpkin. I know, I'm a country bumpkin. <laughs> Although I'm sure if you went there, you wouldn't feel like it was the countryside. It's quite an industrial place. Um, yeah, it's about, it's a city that's a couple hours just outside of Beijing. So it's quite north of China. Um, but I did sort of grow up um, in Shanghai for periods of time. My parents lived in Shanghai as well. So I went to nursery in Shanghai, which I have very sort of minimal <laughs> memories <laughs> of. But, you know, if you show me a picture, it might try and, tr you know, trigger a few memories here and there. Um, and then I actually moved to Belgium for about half a year or about half a year to a year when I was about three um, to about four and then I moved back to China for a short period of time, which was before I came to England. So I had a bit of a rocky start. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. must have been really confusing, though. Yeah, a lot of chopping and changing. And I'd say, actually, like, the vast majority of my childhood up until moving to England, my main language I spoke still was Chinese. So my parents, when they... And I, do you know what? I handed it to them for moving to Belgium and not speaking French. Like, they didn't really speak yeah, French. That must, that must be crazy Yeah, so they didn't actually speak French very well. Um, you know, obviously, I was, what, like, three or four? So I did actually learn French when I was there. I mean, obviously, to a three or four-year-old's <laughs> standard. Not exactly, like, really fluent French. But I was fluent for a three to four-year-old. Um, which, unfortunately, I don't have any any of those skills anymore i can't oh, speak no. any french i've got a b in gcse french <laughs> mum was not happy about that but um yeah so that was kind of how it worked really and the whole time really i spoke mandarin so mandarin is obviously the, the language that we speak in mainland china um and my parents to this day they still speak to me in mandarin but i speak back to them in english now which <laughs> is a bit different to when i was younger <clears throat> where i would speak back to them in chinese yeah i think it's weird because obviously we obviously we are both Chinese and like we do have loads of similarities in fact but actually like China and Hong Kong there's so much distance between yeah. them especially when where your family's from just looking at like even the culture let's just take I don't know the Scottish and the British for example like there's so many different things in comparison mm. and like what I'm trying to say is obviously we're both Chinese but the culture and our upbringing would be so different. Just talk about even our languages, like it's so yeah. different. Like you speak Mandarin, I speak Cantonese and Hakka, like it's so different. Yeah. And actually I think we can relate to so many things about each other, but also the nitty gritty stuff is really different. Yeah, definitely. So uh, Lucy, talk to me more about your family. Like, are they all based here? Are they not? Yeah, so my family aren't actually based in the UK anymore. Um, they, I mean, they just hopped across to Ireland. So <laughs> I suppose <laughs> it's not exactly that much further. But um, yeah, so my family aren't actually based here anymore. And obviously the vast majority of my family have always been in China. So when I moved here, it was always ever just me and my parents and it was only in my sort of like teenage years that I had cousins and stuff who came over to do you know master's degrees or PhDs or mm. whatever so up until you know only a couple of years ago I had literally had like no family here in the west that's, whatsoever that's crazy yeah which compared to you obviously is like completely different yeah like for me I had literally like my grandparents came over and like even on my dad's side, like I have so many cousins. I've got like I would say over twenty, but I'd say at least over half is actually based in England. Mm. So loads of family everywhere, really. So our upbringing that way is so different. But all of us are whitewashed, literally. <laughs> <laughs> 
totally. So whitewashed. Like, I speak to my parents in English, they speak to me in English, or, I mean, we throw in Chinglish. <laughs> when we're bitching and stuff, it's always Chinese, but, I mean, most of the time it's English. The only times I really speak Chinese is to my grandparents, mm-hmm. because they actually still don't speak, well, they don't speak any English or just the odd word. So to them, I would always speak Chinese, but to my parents, I don't. Um, it's funny, actually, one of my grand, like my granddad on my dad's side used to lie to me all the time and tell me he didn't speak English. <laughs> I mean, he lived in Oxford, and I, do you know when you just don't even think about it? Just don't question <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, you're living in England, but he, in my head, didn't speak a word of English. Don't know how he survived and made a name for himself, but um, So I used to always just speak Hakka to him. And I did this, honestly, for about 16 years. <laughs> and then one day, the gardener, who was English, came around and asked me loads of questions. I was then going to translate for my granddad. He told me to shut it, and I literally just spoke English. <laughs> and I, I felt lied to. And then in my head, I was like, that's so dumb. Like, obviously, <laughs> he would speak English. He was the one that sort of made our family, settled us into England, yet he can't speak it. <laughs> but yeah, it's so bizarre to actually think that actually none of your family speak yeah literally i mean like my cousins and stuff speak english because obviously the younger generations will have all learned it in school but Mm. i would say certainly like you know in china it's not very it's not i mean obviously it is quite hugely westernized now Mm. but it's still not westernized to the point that everyone feels the need to speak english like i mean everybody learns it but i'd say like the english skills like the levels in china as a second language it's obviously not the same as like yeah, yeah, you know yeah. in europe how like all these kids who are in like france germany like italy or whatever they can all speak english well just yeah. as well as like some people here in england but yeah in china it's definitely not like that so yeah i think i mean if anything i'm glad in a lot of ways because it makes me feel like when i you know I suppose it forces me to sort of like know the language a bit more, which Mm. I think brings me closer to being sort of Chinese and the whole culture of it all. But sometimes it does make me sad because I know that my Chinese language level is not (laughs) not up to scratch. Oh my god, it's actually embarrassing when I think about like these little kids in primary school in China having way better Chinese than me. Like, they're able to write, like, calligraphy that looks so nice and my Chinese characters look so botched and horrible. Yeah, but at least you can, like... I mean, like, like, barely, yeah, literally. So I could literally only speak and listen to it. I can't read or write. Yeah. And um, one of our family friends, their five-year-old from Hong Kong came over, <laughs> and I honestly told mum when he started speaking, I was like... He must be so intelligent because his, <laughs> his language, his Cantonese is amazing. And mum literally was like, no, that's just that, the standard. That's just how they are. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus, my language skills must be like a two-year-old. Yeah. Like it is so awful. Yeah. And when you can hear it back yourself as well, it's so broken. Yeah, definitely. And you just think, oh my God, like... Or it's how? like, you know, when you like, obviously both Cantonese and Mandarin are such, they are tonal languages, but you know when you like botch up the tone oh and then God, you yeah. just know like, oh no, I've just butchered that. That sentence didn't make any sense. Oh my God, yeah. It's my tonal skills are not good. Yeah. Like, not good. Definitely at not. At all. No. And I think that's actually one thing that upsets my, well, in particular, my dad, I would say. I think my dad was always the one who pushed me a lot more when I was younger to, like, speak Chinese and to try and do it. Um, but 
I don't know. I suppose, I mean, as a kid, I suppose you don't value the importance of knowing a second language. Mm. And in particular, I suppose, as we were growing up, Chinese as a language became more and more of like a really good language to know. Yeah, Yeah, I think like... Obviously, when we were really young, it was, you know, China wasn't as, like, built up. It wasn't as much of an economic centre or whatever business and stuff like that. Mm. Whereas now, you know, it's a really great language to learn if you want, like, to do business or whatever. It's just a really great second language. But, um, yes, that is one thing that I think if I had a regret about anything, I regret not focusing more on my Chinese language skills. Yeah, but I, I feel like at least your parents forced you into Chinese school. Yeah, true. I mean, so for those of you who don't know what Chinese school is, I'm sure many people have probably gone to, I mean, second language type schools. But I mean, mine was, I mean, obviously Nottingham is where I grew up. And actually there was quite a large um, Chinese community when I was growing up here in comparison to maybe a lot of other cities. I think partly because Nottingham Uni is... um, obviously a big so they've got a big campus in Ningbo um in China so I think there's a good connection between um the you know China as in mainland China to Nottingham and we had a lot of Chinese students coming over and I think it just meant that Nottingham as a city had a bit more sort of Chinese relations and stuff so Mm. I used to go to this it was actually on Sundays when I started going I think I was like I think I probably was about five when I started going, but it was every Sunday. I hated it. I really never wanted to go. It was always, it started at 10 a.m. and it went on till like 1 or 2 p.m. And it was basically just for kids sort of similar to my age from between the ages of like five all the way up to say 18 actually to basically meet other Chinese kids like, you know, us. And then also learn the Chinese language which actually was it was like pretty much you know a community funded thing like my parents knew the people who started the Chinese school and it's still running to this day which I think is really really great but um yeah obviously as I got older you know it became more and more of a chore to do you know when you're a teenager like why would you (laughs) want to go on a Saturday to Chinese school to learn Chinese with a bunch of you know whatever but I actually think I really really appreciate that time now because it meant that I probably did learn a lot more than I actually give it credit do you know what I mean that and your mum forced you well yeah and obviously (laughs) uh, do you know what's so funny actually I don't know whether you know this but my mum actually taught in the Chinese school did she she was one of the teachers in the Chinese school and at this point I was a bit older so we basically it it, it had moved from Sundays to a Saturday and at this point I was probably like I know sad sad times really (laughs) but yeah so my mum taught like the younger one, the younger class that I used to be in, but I was in the one above that now. So yeah, she taught in Chinese school for a time, which yeah, like the whole thing was actually fun. Like, we did lots of community stuff as well. Like every year they would do like Chinese New Year celebrations and like us as the little kids, we would like sing and like then do like little production things. Like it was quite funny actually when I think back to it. Like mm-hmm. I've still got like my books and stuff from Chinese school now and like, it was all, like, it was community-funded, so it was actually a really, really good opportunity. And I actually, when I think about it now, it was a really good opportunity for my parents to meet people like them. Like them, yeah. And that must have been, like, I don't I think I appreciated it until being an adult, how difficult it would have been to have moved from, you know, a completely different culture with your child not really knowing anyone, not, you know, that whole, like, scariness of, you know, whilst they spoke English, they didn't speak it that well. Mm. And, yeah, just, 
actually it was probably the really nice yeah it was probably yeah. really nice to be able to meet other people who were in a similar position to them and yeah have like you know friends from that from that aspect really mm-hmm. like it's weird because it's like my family like I never went to Chinese school and like my dad wanted me to go so dad can write um and read whereas my mum can't and can he fully like read and write Chinese yeah, yeah I don't like I don't think he's like I think he's quite um Proficient, proficient in it. in it, but I don't. I suppose like, he lived there. When yeah, he was I don't. Major. I mean, I don't know because I can't. I can't read and write. So <laughs> I don't know if he's any good. I just be like, Dad, can you read that? And he summarizes. And I just be like, Yeah, okay, Impressed. yeah. <laughs> like that's amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like so, Dad can, and like my parents are separated. So Dad almost wanted us to go to Chinese school, but Mum obviously can't read and write. Mm. So she said, like, it's all well and good, like putting us through Chinese school, and like for the first year or maybe. F- for the first two years it'll be fine because it's just learning numbers and yeah. you know all of that but then she's like once it gets harder how is she supposed to help us with homework and stuff yeah. like <laughs> there's no one there to support us then at home so yeah. it just it would get so much harder for us yeah as well and like I mean I never actually wanted to go to Chinese school it was yeah it was like just something dad was like you should go you should go mm. and like now thinking about it it's like oh I guess I could have gone. Yeah. It would have been a good opportunity and stuff. And actually to know more Chinese people that way, like growing up, I literally didn't yeah. know anyone. And like, it's weird that I I know people that did go to Chinese school and they do have that community. Yeah, definitely. And stuff. So I feel like I would have been almost more Chinese that way. Yeah. Um, for You guys don't know, but actually my, my parents are quite liberal, like, because they were raised here. This, they don't have that tiger mom instinct as much. <laughs> mom is like, you want you could do whatever you want to do growing up and stuff. But like as you said, do you know how like when your parents came over and they had the challenges mm-hmm. of not speaking the language and not having that community? Like obviously my parents had it like the complete opposite where they grew up here yeah. and they used to tell me like my dad. He got really badly bullied because he was the only Chinese person at school. Mm. And then he obviously went to um, back to Hong Kong for a couple of teenage years. So then he came back and was really alienated. Yeah. He was like, it's so bizarre because they used to call them all sorts of like weird names and all of that just because mm. obviously they're different. Yeah. So it is weird. How did you find growing up though, being Asian? I don't know. I think, I suppose... I think when we were both growing up, I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, bearing in mind, Nottingham's quite a multi... I mean, obviously, it's it's a big city, so it's, you mm. know, obviously going to be more diverse than a lot of... You know, I didn't grow up in a tiny little town or anything. But having said that, I was probably the only Chinese kid in my, like, class, I remember. I don't think I had anyone else in my primary school that I remember being Chinese. And it wasn't that often that you'd come across that many Chinese people. Mm. I think nowadays, like, when I'm walking, you know, down in the main, like, town centre and I, like, see, you know, kids coming out of the primary school, there's way more, like, Chinese kids that I see now compared to when I was when I was in primary school. And I think, obviously, as a kid, you don't really understand, but you do try and assimilate as best as possible. Or, you know, you try and... You just want to fit in, don't you? You just want everybody to think that you're the same as them. Mm. And I suppose, as well, like, you know, nowadays, there's obviously way more, um, like, accessibility to, like, Chinese foods. Like, obviously, 
you know, you've got all these like Chinese restaurants, you've got like Instagram, all these different things that yeah, show definitely. you like different cultures and you can have a lot more accessibility to different cultures. So I think people understand it a lot more now than back then. Yeah, than back then. I think I just remember like people making fun of some of the stuff that I ate. Oh my God, or, me too. you know, yeah, like <laughs> talking about how noodles look like worms yeah. and like I feel like nowadays everyone's a lot more accepting. Like, yeah. I feel like like Korean barbecue right now is like the hot yeah, it's like, like hot pot, bu- like, bubble tea, and yeah. All of that. Whereas like when we were growing up, like that that shit was weird. Yeah, like, that was so like, you can't you can't bring that stuff to like school no. and talk about it because it's weird. Yeah, exactly. So it's definitely a lot more accepting now than I think before. Yeah, and I think maybe to some degree. I expect, you know, kids are kids, aren't they? And kids can be nasty. And I think, unfortunately, there is probably still a lot of ignorance around. And I imagine probably kids would still be a bit nasty about stuff like that. But I think because parents and families are more, like, open to trying all these new Mm -hmm. things now, that the kids would already be exposed to it. So it wouldn't be as much of a foreign, weird thing to, like, you know, try these new things. But But I I do think, like, it's one of those, like... Now, people, like, would almost expect you to be British and it's okay and stuff. Whereas when we were growing up, it's a lot more like, are you foreign? Are you not? Like, yeah. And, and everything. Like, even when I when I first moved schools when I was year five, and the first day I started my school, bear in mind it's like an international like boarding school, the, this girl, I remember, who came up to me and was just like, hi. I'm whatever name was and do like what is your name really slow really calm being like uh, do you speak English and I remember her saying that to me so clearly like do you speak English and in my head I'm like well yeah obviously like why wouldn't I yeah but obviously for her she's just seen this Chinese person come into school yeah she doesn't know if I speak English or not she doesn't know how I was raised and just by looking at me, she made that judgment. No, definitely. Whereas, like, I don't... Obviously, it's still happening now, but I do think there's less when people look at you. They don't automatically go, oh, they are foreign. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose it's probably also different for you being in, like, an international boarding school where you might have more international, like, kids coming mm, over yeah, from I mean, elsewhere. I think, I obviously, I moved to schools when I was in year five, but before yeah. that, growing up, it was um, a lot more like standard English kids yeah yeah yeah. so I think it's it's almost like growing around and being surrounded with people you almost can't relate to sometimes like it is different I mean having said that I will say because obviously like where I went to school I will say even though there wasn't that many Chinese kids there was a lot of like you know Indian Pakistani Malaysian kids and stuff like that and actually like my some of my best friends in primary school were from other cultures from that sense so mm. i had like a lot of friends who were muslim and you know they were either from like i had a friend who was malaysian muslim and you know i had another friend who was pakistani muslim so i think there was a lot of like other sort of diversity in that sense and i i still remember to be fair to school they had enrichment weeks that would like you know we'd have family members like people's family members coming in to do like henna for us bringing in different types of like food for us to try mm. and that was really nice but i think a lot of it like was because again there was such a small chinese community it was still based and centered around probably the brown asian community because they, they are a bigger mm. community at that time anyway they were a bigger community and i suppose at the moment they are still a bigger community here in the UK. I think that was probably the difference in a lot of ways. Mm. I feel like as well, for I, I feel like for both of us even, 
when we were first, when we were really young, I feel like we were definitely more sheltered from like the British culture. Like mm. I feel like, especially with your parents, like they would have instilled a lot more of like the Chinese traditions and yeah. growing up obviously speaking Chinese and everything. Whereas like, I think it was only when we hit more like five and six when we started going to school, school yeah. that you're exposed to being British and like being yeah. different almost. And it? noticing your differences a lot more, I think. Yeah. yeah. Like when you go around to like your friend's house and, you know, you're having like, you know, like fish fingers for dinner and beans, like where like I thought that was bonkers. Like, who has fish fingers for dinner? And like, you know, just small things, I suppose. Like, I remember like going to one of my friends' houses when I was younger, and like we were doing the dishes. And one thing I still to this day that really drives me at the wall is when people wash dishes. And I feel like you know I don't want to generalize, but I they see a lot rinse. of my well, yeah they don't they rinse. don't rinse. I know I don't want to generalize, but this is mainly white people. Why do you not rinse the suds <laughs> off of your dishes? Like, that's my main question. You, yeah, because you're eating that afterwards. Because that's grim. Like, do you want to be eating dish soap? Like, why would you do that? That's, like, no. And I still remember to this day, like, seeing that. And I was, like, baffled. And I was, like, what, the age of five then or six? Mm. And when I, so I used to do food tech in school, in secondary school. And obviously we'd be, like, washing the dishes. And obviously in, like, year seven, they teach you, like, how to keep your thing clean and blah, 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 blah. And literally, like, the teacher would just, would literally just dip it in the horrible oh, no. dish, like, no. surge water and just not rinse anything. How great, like, no, no that's one no, thing. No. That, again, you know, small differences can be big differences. <laughs> that is, that's a difference that stuck with me. But, yeah, I think just things like that, once you start, like, going to your friends' houses when you're, you know... But you do like, notice, like, even the difference with, like, housing, like, like with my grandparents, none of, like, the duvet covers match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many, like, it's just different, and it's, like, well, it's a pillowcase, it doesn't matter, like, yeah. just whatever. Like, where, whereas when I used to go to, like, my friend's house, it's, Everything's like, matching. matching. Yeah, you've got, like, matching pillows yeah. and cushions. And, yeah. And it's one of those, where it's like, if you ask your, like, well, I'll ask my grandparents, it's like, what's wrong with pillows? <laughs> nothing, grandma. It's like, uh, nothing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then just small things you pick up as you mm. grow up. And it does sort of, it obviously it makes you notice that you're different, not necessarily in a bad way sometimes. But yeah, I think kid, you know, kids being kids, you become self-conscious. Mm. You know, there were times that, I feel ashamed to say that I was maybe like embarrassed by my, my culture. Like I don't know about you. Oh my god, but, like, 100%. I yeah, I felt embarrassed at times. You know, if people were coming to my house and they were having like congee, for example, and they didn't know what that was, and they like, thought that was weird, like mm. things like that. Even or even like the fact that like like my parents would drink hot water instead of normal cold tap water, and I felt a bit like that was weird. Like I, I don't felt know. like you almost wanted to fit in and. By fitting in, because everyone around you is white. Yeah. It's like, you need to fit in with the white culture. Yeah. And, like, at that young age, you just don't want to expose, like, your friends to this different culture. Yeah. Which is obviously so normal for yeah, you, isn't it? Like, exactly. you come home and it's not a big deal. But yeah. to actually expose your friends to it, it's like, oh, I don't really want to do that. Yeah, because you're just embarrassed yeah, of, like, what they might think. Yeah. Which seems so ridiculous now. But, but then, like, as kids, like... I, I remember spending like my childhood not ashamed but just uh, like it is embarrassing you want to try and hide that like Asian culture as much as possible and you do everything you can to try and like hide it or not be different yeah and stuff and then actually like now like growing up it's like 
I want to embrace my yeah. Chinese culture. Definitely. And I want to embrace everything, like the traditions, everything. Because actually, being unique and make it, like having that culture makes us so different. Yeah. And different is a good thing now. Yeah. And do you think you were ever like actually picked on? Because I feel like I hear a lot of stuff about, you know, uh, obviously bullying and, you know, stuff like that and racism. But were you ever like picked on for being Chinese or you know anything like that at all so I have lived a very sheltered life (laughs) (laughs) I know I have lived a very privileged sheltered life in my little bubble of Zoe (laughs) Um, so I don't think I was necessarily ever picked on for being Chinese for example um which is I know really lucky for me like I know other people Mm. might have and stuff I never did and actually if I ever got anything that could have come up like the teachers were really good and actually addressed it um so I think in that sense I was really lucky I mean did you I don't think I ever got picked on or you know I wouldn't say I ever got bullied I wouldn't necessarily say I think you know, I'm not, well, I was never really an argumentative child, really, in that I think, you know, like, I don't know about your parents, but my parents definitely, like, instilled in me, like, don't cause trouble, like, if someone says anything, it's not worth it, like, there's no point, like, fighting mm. back, whereas I think maybe a lot of, like, in the white culture in particular, like, in British white culture, is like, you know, if, if someone says something to you, like, you would retaliate back oh 100 i mean this is just obviously again like that's a massive stereotype yeah and it's just what we've experienced yeah not saying everyone is like that yeah and it's a huge stereotype obviously but i think there is also a stereotype amongst like that you know chinese people tend to be this obedient group of people that don't really speak up and don't say anything i think it's because like culturally like it is kind of like it is instilled in you to not cause trouble but i mean like even like my dad for example he wants me to be that quiet like it's not submissive but like he wants me to be quiet ladylike so Mm. he wants me to be very ladylike and what you would think an like a chinese woman should be Mm. sort of thing and for those who don't know me i mean i don't fit the stereotype i am five seven (laughs) i am not a size six you've got like massive feet (laughs) (laughs) massive size seven feet right we are loud and proud like i am literally the average height for a typical asian man (laughs) (laughs) let's just put that out there you are the same height as my dad so yeah (laughs) exactly so by all means i already do not fit this like stereotype (laughs) But I think, like, growing up, Dad would always be like, you should be more ladylike. You should be more ladylike. And in my head, I'm like, but I, even as much as I want to be, mm-hmm. I'm just not. I'm clumsy, and I'm really quite abrasive sometimes. If And I just say stuff that I sometimes don't even mean, and it's just me being me. But I feel like because I don't fit the, like, Asian stereotype, it's sometimes quite hard, it was especially mm. within the family. Yeah. And it took a while before I feel like I could accept that, that was just me yeah and like my parents and stuff will just have to know it's like just have to embrace it yeah yeah because i can't be that like gentle ladylike yeah. woman and all of that yeah no definitely i mean you felt it but in a much different way i mean your dad definitely wanted you as a boy <laughs> i mean yeah my dad's not you know he doesn't hide the fact that he wanted a son <laughs> So, but one child you know, policy, one got, child them policy good. got them good. Yeah, for those who don't know, I am a only child, and like I said, I was born in China, so it was at the time of the only child, the one child policy, 
And actually, you know, my parents could have easily had a kid whenever they moved out mm. of China, but they didn't really have very much money. And it just wasn't really the most sensible timing for them to try and have another kid when we didn't really have enough money to, you know, you know, eat or whatever. So <laughs> I think they prioritised food over another child. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I think in terms of school anyway, I never got picked on. I don't think not for being Chinese anyway. Might got picked on for other things, but mm. <laughs> not not necessarily for being Chinese. I actually feel like it's only when we got older that well, I see a lot more like racism or the fact that yeah. I'm, I, me being Chinese has brought up even more. Yeah, and I think in some ways about us talking about you know that whole assimilation thing and trying to fit in. I almost think you know we maybe like fit in so well or try to fit in so well that you know people didn't necessarily pick on us in that same way. We weren't necessarily mm. that different or whatever. But, I, but that's f- because we had to, like, dull down a lot of the stuff that we felt was a bit embarrassing or whatever, <clears throat> which, you know, embarrassing as in... Well, it's weird, like, when I obviously... When I was at school in my, like, teens, for example, like, because uh, I went to a boarding school, we had actual physical houses that we stay at. Think Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we used to go to like day houses or if you actually boarded, you go to like a boarding house. And in my house, it was literally, like, it's just a day house, but it was literally all white people and yeah. me. <laughs> like th- I don't think there was that many um, that I can think of, not even in my, not in like my year, especially that was anything but English. And obviously in the boarding houses, we had people from Hong Kong and China, but they were obviously born there. Mm. and it was really weird because I'm like I obviously fit in with this house more but I don't look like any of them and it's quite obvious that there is a difference Mm -hmm. yet I don't fit in with the Chinese people who look like me but don't act like me yeah so it was so different like growing up being like I don't fit there and I don't fit there and it's like I'm trying to fit in with people that don't look like me, but act like me. And yeah, It's exactly. a very confusing time as a teen. Yeah, plus even when you're trying to fit in with, like, people who have obviously, like, grown up in China a bit more, obviously their culture is so different. Mm. And it is really... It, we are different to them as well. I don't... You know, we wouldn't be acting in the same way or thinking the same way either. Well, it's weird. Like, obviously, like, when I go back to Hong Kong on holiday and stuff, they're like, hey, why are you so tall? can't be helped <laughs> <laughs> b they're like why are you so dark and obviously we follow the british culture like yeah, we love a tan love a tan yeah and i would spend t- like time in hong kong tanning whereas obviously that's not the culture for them oh my god no yeah so, more like whitening cream yeah literally yeah. like trying to buy moisturizer when you're out there stock up on moisturizer right <laughs> before you go to hong kong yeah um but like they'll be like oh my god you're so dark and it's like your dress sense is different and it's just like everything's so different when you go there but it's actually like but this is my hometown like this is where my family are from so Mm. it's almost like you can relate but not yeah it's trying to like find like where you fit in i suppose Mm. because you don't fully fit in in one culture but then you don't fully fit in in the other either yeah and it's like you lean towards more the british but i mean we don't look like the British. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we know full well that when people see us in the street, they don't think of two English girls. I suppose, you know, we, some people would say that we're English, which I suppose we are, but 
like I've had this conversation with I don't know I, I think I've spoken to you about this before but you know would you class yourself as English because no, I don't know about you British. I never class myself as English like, I would class myself as British Chinese yeah. that's how I would like say you know that's who I am but then I actually think like why don't I class myself as English but it's because in my head when I think of English people I think of a white like a yeah. Caucasian I English feel person. like nationality and ethnicity yeah very different things you yeah know? like ethnicity Chinese yeah but then like nationality British and yeah. I think for like us it's definitely two clear distinctions like, yeah I'd never say I'm English because I'm not yeah I d- <laughs> but it's funny isn't it because like English I suppose isn't even it's not an ethnicity you know what I mean but mm. in my head I think of it as being Caucasian and being well I mean that's you know the stereotype of what you visualize as an English person even te- though technically you are from China remember I mean, that I am, right I, I mean I guess I can say I'm English <laughs> you're English yeah I wasn't here. born here no <laughs> girl remember your place <laughs> um yeah it's just yeah it is weird just to know the differences though and the similarities between it all like I do feel like even though we're both Chinese actually it, it we have had such different upbringings our family is different like I think people will figure out in this podcast that actually like we have very different upbringings even like when we do have Chinese values and traditions they will probably be so different as well yeah, yeah definitely but we are grouped as Chinese I yeah think. exactly like people just bunch us together as one big group but in reality we have a lot of differences amongst us in terms of upbringing our families where we're actually from like we're not even from different parts of china we literally like families that speak different languages even though we're all chinese you know all this stuff so yeah i think over the course of the next few episodes we definitely want to delve a little bit more into obviously our similarities but also our differences as well and just Mm. explore a little bit more about how our differences kind of have shaped our experiences as well and things like that too. Oh, definitely. I think something we want to like as a key takeaway point is that even though we have loads of similarities, like everyone is different, Mm. like we're both different and actually it's nothing to be ashamed of. Like growing up, I feel like it was something maybe we try to hide a lot yeah. but actually it is something to embrace now yeah definitely. and it's something we should be happy with and actually love the fact that we're slightly different and more yeah. unique like as we should be exactly but yeah thank you so much for listening guys um and i hope you really enjoyed this episode of this podcast and like we said we've got plenty more to come uh, we've got loads of different topics that we want to discuss And yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. It means so much.